Welcome to Roll with Adventure, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast that transports you through the magic of imagination. From our world to the far off world of Ibris, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters and miracles, and of course, magic. We are delighted to bring you this adventure from our imagination to your ears. If you like what you hear, Please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us and this podcast, please visit us at rollwithadventure.com. And now let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to Roll with Adventure. This session's campaign is of salt and blood. My name is Cass, and I am the Dungeon Master for this ragtag band of heroes. Today, our journey into this tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. This session begins in the early afternoon of the 6th of Altor, in the year 1069 PR, as our party, alongside the spirit of Maya, traverses the second floor of Caligos Manor, following Maya's untimely demise. Now, before we dive right in, let's meet our band of heroes. To decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember here, we roll with adventure. So, what intelligent delight or mind-numbing tale have you to share with us tonight? I have learned so many things since the last time we played that I had a hard time choosing, and Cass was like, just pick the happiest thing that you learned. So the happiest thing that I learned is about hermit crabs. And I learned, actually just learned this this afternoon, that hermit crabs, when they find a potential new home, they kind of like check it out. And if it's too big for them, they just sort of hang out. And then other hermit crabs come along and also check it out. And when it's too big for them, they also hang out and they all hang out in a line by size so like the smallest hermit crab at one end and the biggest hermit crab at the other and every time a new one comes along they kind of reshuffle the line until somebody comes along who fits this beautiful new shell and when he's like or or she sorry when the hermit crab is like oh yeah this is my new home i fit perfectly here they get rid of their old shell and then the next hermit crab in line which is like the next biggest one takes that new shell and they all upgrade their shells. And I just thought that was so cool and beautiful that they, they're like, nope, this one's not for me, but I'll wait, wait, you know, patiently. And then they all just trade and there's no like, I mean, I don't know what a hermit crab would do with two shells, but if we were humans, we'd be like, I'm taking the big shell for later and I'm going to kill all of you to take your smaller shells in case I need them for some reason. So yeah, hermit crabs are cute. I like them. I mean, okay, they're not actually cute. They kind of remind me of spiders. But still. Oh, I have to take a modifier. Yeah, what's your modifier? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go with a plus two because that's just a nice fact that made me happy today. Allie, you'll be really pleased that you can put together like a hermit crab closet for them with a whole bunch of shells for them to try out and choose. They switch them between. I have watched the hermit crab shuffle. They have little shrimpy tails at the end. 
Oh. And yeah, so if you give them more than one shell, hermit crab got has like uh, six shells. They will be very happy and fight with others for that shell. My fun fact is that my local Taco Bell, even if I ask to add potatoes into something, they forget. So I will be taking a minus two because I feel dumber. My fun fact that I learned is I decided to do some, you know, watch the documentaries on ancient Rome. Uh, kind of how I watched only one documentary about how they like built their general empire. The most interesting thing I thought of was I knew they invented the aqueducts, but I didn't realize that Rome was before the medieval period. So I learned that, in fact, Rome is older than the medieval period. So Rome had running water and nobody in the medieval period or very few, I don't think any did, uh, actually had running water. So my going to take a minus uh, two for thinking that the Roman Empire happened after the medieval period. Why didn't they have running water? Like, what was going on with the lords and the manors? I think the Reeves rationale was the way Rome was. All of Rome was basically united until uh, several of the emperors after Julius Caesar became really horrible dictators. I forget which one. I forget the guy's name. I think it was, was it Nero or Victus? There's there's a lot of bad Roman emperors. Yeah, there are. There was one that died without an heir, and then Rome just basically fought amongst itself, and all that technology was lost in the companion and like the nationality just kind of fell into different fractures and people fought for power and all that ancient technology that they had just was gone pretty much from nero to commodus to uh, there was so many bad roman empires the empire just grew too big the west in particular i mean it just pretty much ate itself in and they kind of just dissolved I think they also had like a plague and then a huge earthquake. I think they were like, there's a number of reasons that, I mean, bad emperors is a big one. But I think they also suffered some various disasters that contributed to their eventual collapse. More history I get to learn along the way. Like I said, I'm so stupid. Like I had thought because of how big Rome was and how organized they were and how beautiful their buildings were, that they were obviously after the medieval period. And I'm like, oh. They weren't. So if you've ever wanted to walk from Alaska to Russia, I learned you totally can. The Russian mainland in Alaska, the distance between them is 55 miles, but there's actually two little islands, and I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, but they're known as the Big Diomede and the Little Diomede. The big one is owned by Russia, and the little one is owned by Alaska. The distance between these two is 2.5 miles and actually the water will freeze over in the winter. So if you wanted to, you could walk from Alaska to Russia or vice versa in the winter. So I'm going to take a plus one. I'm never going to do that. I have such a fact for you all. I will warn you, it is a snake fact. So, you know, maybe skip a little bit ahead if you don't like snakes, but oh my goodness. There is a snake, and it's native to part of Iran, and it was actually only discovered or, like, distinguished as a species in 2006, so pretty recently. And it's called the spider-tailed horn viper because the end of its tail has adapted to look like a spider. It's got, like, a ball, bulbous end that looks like the, like, an abdomen, and it has, like, elongated scales that look like legs. Amazing. 
and it waves this tail around to like attract birds and other things that eat spiders so that it doesn't have to hunt amazing there's a video of it it's it looks so cool i can't even like can you imagine the this the evolution that went into making a tail that looks like a spider amazing um i love this fact probably lots of other people hate it but i'm taking a plus two because i think it's really cool i am team snakes on this crew i think i know that we're a divided party on this i am team snakes that is like the coolest adaptation i've ever heard that is a great fact can we give like emmy a plus three for this i will say yes we can give her a plus three on this but emmy you have to realize that that's clearly not evolution. That is definitely someone who read about owl bears and tried to do that with snakes and spiders. I fully, I hope that at some point, if it's not in this game, somebody somewhere puts a spider-tailed giant snake in their D&D game. It would just, or like, I don't know, amazing, amazing. Such a pity that Maya died last session. I have to say goodbye to all of you now before we <laughs> get to acts again. I was about to say, as soon as Sydney said it and I Googled it, I'm like, yep, that's showing up. It legit looks just like a Pokemon. Yeah, it does. The funny thing is, I don't mind snakes. I hate spiders. Yeah, I really covered two groups there. Everybody hates something about it, pretty much, so. Now it needs to be as made of insects in between the tail and the head, and we're good. Let's see what you all roll. I got a five. I have an 11 with the minus. I got a dirty 20. Where was that roll when I was doing my death saving throws? I got a natural 20 for 21. Well, with my plus three, I got a 22, so... Guys, we're in a crazy dangerous house. We should have saved those good rolls. Mm -hmm, definitely. I mean, mine's a bad one, so we got it out. Hi, I'm Emmy. I'm playing Sylvie Antaeus. She's a half-elf monk. She probably likes snakes most of the time. Hi, world. It's Carlos here. I play Mark Savander, a scout in the Talran army and eh, definitely is not thrilled about the idea of a spider-tailed snake at all. Hi, I'm Allie and I'm playing Maya Volta, the currently deceased cleric of Cain. Hi friends, I'm Disco and I play Alice, the radiant Genasi druid who is a walking, talking magic mirror. Good evening, everyone. My name's Corey, and I play Kleena Floros. She is a human fighter who is an ex-soldier of the Talran army. Now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember here, we roll with adventure. As you move through the house, through its creaking halls, and into this next room, I would like to take a moment to have each of you reflect on the events that have transpired up to now. Please, delve into your characters' experiences, and walk me through what their internal monologue entails, and what outward signs these thoughts manifest for others to notice and pick up on. We will go through the group one by one, ending with Maya. Would anyone like to go first? A crack. Just a single crack. The sound that a frozen lake makes when the first footfall of deer across its surface 
in the dead of winter. Sounds. The sound of glass breaking. As. In the moment of Maya's death. Alice, as he always does in moments of stress, seemed to tumble in time in his own head. Seeing glances of the many walls he's peered out of and those he's found dear over the centuries wither, die. But Maya was different. And that same pain that he has had to bury over the centuries Well, that crack allowed for some of those emotions to wash over him. And that crack began to grow and splinter as his mind searched for an answer, placing blame on himself for not having one. He should have never let her get in there. He should have gotten her out of that tub. He should have saved her from the water. And as these voices ring and echo in the darkness of his mind as he tumbles through time, seeing and hearing all of these thoughts beating him down, the sound of a bell rings in his ears. But focused as one line graces his mind. To magic, death is only an inconvenience. What matters is her soul is here in this plane. And as he's arisen from his slump, still fighting back those words as he has to, he has a, a determination about him as the cracks in the glass begin to mend. So, yeah. That's Alice. Sylvie's normal smile has faded from her face, and in place of it is pursed lips and sort of a frown. Her eyes are wide. She looks almost lost, like she doesn't quite know what's happening. And internally, oh boy, it is not so composed as Alice's thoughts. They start with, oh god, Maya's dead. Oh. But she's a ghost, so maybe she's... Well, I guess she's still dead, but she's here, and we're carrying her body around, so... Maybe we'll be able to put her back in her body? I've... I don't know if it works that way, but she's still here, which is not normal, so... Maybe we'll be able to figure it out. Oh, gosh, what if Maya's stuck in the house forever? That would be really awful. What if her body turns into a zombie while we're carrying it around? That would also be really awful. Maybe we should 
put her body somewhere safe so that it doesn't get hurt? Maybe we should keep it cold, because what if it starts to break down? That would be really gross. We wouldn't want to put her back in a broken down body. That would be awful. Hmm. Maybe it can go back in the tub? Because it was, it was icy, so it's cold. That's how you keep bodies good, right? This is weird. Um, Maya is dead, oh my god. But it's okay, she's right in front of us. She's right in front of us, so she's not dead, or well, she's not gone. She won't be dead forever, right? She won't be dead forever. Everything hurts. Yep, that's, that's about Sophie's thought process. They're always cold. There's always cold when they're, they're gone. Marcus's eyes flash to a little hut in a small village. Sister dead. Taken by the flare. Parents crying. He couldn't save her. There's nothing he could do. His mind races next to his brother. Wounded. Blood pouring. Marcus couldn't feel his brother anymore. He was gone. He couldn't save him either. His mind races in a specific into his stutter. Gone. Taken. He doesn't know where. He couldn't save her either. And this one person, he gave everything to try to make up for his loss. He couldn't save her either. But now she's alive somehow. Her soul is alive. And now he'll do anything to get her back. His friend, he's quiet. He's always quiet. He's always thinking. He doesn't know what to say. He's racked with insecurity, racked with doubt. This time he feels confident. He'll wipe away the tears. And he'll fight. He'll fight to save her. To save his friends, no matter what. Outwardly, she looks cold. Her expressions are nothing. No anger outside. No sadness. She's just blank. Ignoring the wounds that she suffered while they still bleed. But she can't stop looking at Maya's body in between her hands. Inside, she is angry. Should have been her. Why did she back off? If she attacked that thing, maybe it would have been her under the ice. Maybe she could have lived. Guilt. It's her fault. She hesitated. She's not sure why. Years ago, she never would have hesitated against anything. She was a soldier. She fought elves. They were pretty horrific and monstrous. Charged down magic. But she can't stop from remembering the many that fell beside her. Hundreds. Hundreds of people that she knew for a few minutes or didn't care to know. But she blames herself. What's Marcus going to think? Kalina was supposed to keep Maya safe. She's supposed to keep them all safe. She's wondering maybe she shouldn't have gotten close years ago. She can't cry right now. Because first, they've got to get the job done. And she can just remember her mother and her brother right now 
and the anger and pain she felt when she learned they were dead. And she's just got to keep moving forward. Because she's still here. Maya isn't. In very stark contrast to all of her friends, she feels happy, almost joyful, very light. She's lived almost several different lives in her short lifetime. And I don't know how to explain exactly how Maya feels. It's like she's a very devout follower of Cain. And she believes that she knows what Cain's purpose for her is in this life. And she has very faithfully carried out exactly what she believes Cain wanted her to do. And if she hadn't had so much time in Merstwall to think about her life and what her life before Merstwall meant, she might be confused about why she feels so happy now. But I think given that she has had this, what, six years to think about things, she's probably not very confused about the fact that she feels so happy. She did what she was meant to do. She's been living her life kind of wondering, not exactly what's the point, not in a hopeless way, in a, you know, life is actually not too bad, but I don't really know why I'm still here. I've, I've carried out the purpose that I was meant for. Why am I still here? And so now she, she feels like she can leave, having done what she needed to do, and having accomplished her own personal goal, which was to find a family after hers was taken from her at such a very young age. She found all of you, and you are the family that she always wanted to have. And so she's, you know, done what her god wanted her to do. She's met her own personal goal, and not only that, but she has the beautiful gift of being given this extra time with all of you to help you to make sure that you're okay and to say goodbye. And I think she's quite prepared to go to the lady's book to where all of her loved ones have gone before her and to where everybody will go in the end to be welcomed into Ashen's embrace. Thank you. Thank you all for sharing. Now, you push onwards through the doors that stand before you into the unknown corners of the house. Beyond this door lies a room with soft green walls that startles you. For this room is nearly barren. Two windows are set into the western wall, flanked on either side by yellowed curtains and you have entered through a small door in the southern wall of the room. Another small door is recessed into the eastern wall, directly to your right upon entry into the room, and at the far end of the room are a large set of double doors in the northern wall. Though, above the eastern door of the double doors in the northern wall, 
is a collapsed portion of the ceiling that partially blocks the doors to the balcony beyond. While this room at first startled you with its lack of really anything, a deep unease falls upon you as your eyes fixate upon the only two things that reside within the center of this room. A large rug, once brightly colored in soft yellows and greens, it is faded both from the sun and water damage, and a cradle of cracked and dried wood that sits covered in dust, as if forgotten. From this room you have two exits, the small door to your right, or the balcony beyond. Can Marcus stab the rug? Can Alice also stab the rug? Yes. I think Maya's just sort of floating, waiting for her friends to catch up with her, and just taking a moment to kind of think about all the things that she has learned, that she can see now, that she's feeling and and also to look a little bit at her friends to see what how they're doing you cross the room your weapons sink into the rug it doesn't move it doesn't quiver it doesn't talk back to you nor does it jump out to try and smother you alice like looks at marcus with like those eyes of like is this thing safe like, do we, should we keep stabbing it? I think it's, I think it's good. I think two stabs to a rug is a pretty good equation. You think two stabs are good and Alice will put out the flame in his hand and, <laughs> and then she the dagger. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I think two stabs is good. What would you guys like to do? Out that door. Maya points towards the balcony and says, Out that door you'll be able to see the lighthouse. But the other door is the one we must take to get upstairs. Maya, if you say that's the door we need to go through, that's the door we need to go through. Unless they want to go see the lighthouse or something. Um, what do y'all think? We don't have time to wait around. Uh, we have to get her back into her body and there is a powerful necromancy in this place I'm sure we can tap into it at its source being the lighthouse Maya we don't want to look at the lighthouse we need to get to the lighthouse no we need to find the hearth mother's grace I know this is really hard but we need to stay focused and we need to set things right in this house there's a terrible terrible evil here and we need to weaken it before we can hope to overcome it i don't care about this house anymore i don't care about this quest there's nothing matters here what matters is getting you right and and i can do it without this house being okay. I can use this house. I can bring you back. Oh, Alice. Love you. I love all of you so much. And I don't mean for this to cause you pain, but you can't think like that. Or you're gonna end up like Aleki. It's what the house wants. It wants people in so much pain that they will do 
anything like Alecki did to have his wife and daughter back, even though, you know, people knew that they were dead. We have to defeat the evil. If somehow we can find a way to save me, then okay. But there are so many souls here that have suffered for so long. We need to... We need to send them to the Lady's Book. If I have to go with them in order for us to do that, it's hard, but it's okay. When Maya mentions the other ghosts, Alice, in his own way, sees them all in the room and can relate to being stuck in a place for a long period of time. And his determination breaks at that point and uncrosses his arms and puts them out and says, All right, all right, I'll do the quest. There's one more thing before we go that you should all know. Whatever it is, this evil thing, it feeds on fear and negativity. And I know it's hard in this house not to be afraid, to be upset, to let all the negativity of it overwhelm you. But if you can think of things that make you happy and try not to feed into the house, I think it will help us. And Maya is going to start humming some hymn to Cain, just very quietly. And I imagine has sort of the, the tone and the cadence of Jerusalem. And she's going to ritually cast ceremony, which doesn't really... Like, there's nothing in ceremony that is particularly useful because I it's like atonement and blessing water and coming of age and all kinds of things but I just want it to be flavor like she's trying to kind of help counter the house help raise the spirits of her friends and that kind of thing while this conversation's going on Sylvie Kalina what are you guys doing Kalina is just kind of going through the motions like she doesn't seem to be reacting to anything but she's keeping up with the group Sylvie is pretty distracted. She's not really looking at anything particular in the room. Once Maya starts talking about the spirits in the house, she pays particular attention, and you can sort of see her really take in Maya's words. She takes a few deep breaths, and like her face starts to look a little bit more normal. Her eyes are no longer super wide, and she doesn't have a frown on her face anymore. Well, you've been listening have you been just sort of standing still or have you been wandering around about the room no sylvie's been pretty still she hasn't really i mean she basically just planted herself and was staring at a wall till maya started talking Kalina would have basically been us keeping distance from the group like not enough to make people think she's trying to fall behind but she's just staring at maya's body really um, if, unless anybody says something, Maya will start, her little globe of light that she is, will start drifting towards the door that we need to take to get upstairs. Follow the light. <laughs> Wait, no, not you, Maya, us. <laughs> Maya, don't follow the light. Maya probably floats right through the door. Maya, you will float into this room. 
Are you got and it's anyone going to open the door behind her? Sylvie will wish nobody else does. You open the door into a small room. It has no windows and only two doors, one directly to your left and the one you are entering from. Being in the center of the house, it of course has no windows. In this room, there is a little rug, a small chest of drawers, a little desk with no drawers, and a single wooden bed. The remains of a yellow blanket lay folded on the end of the bed, on top of the moldering mattress. Maya would continue straight on through the next door. Excellent. What order will the party be walking in as it goes through the house? Oh no. I assume Maya's floating out front. Yes, I am talking about the embodied individuals. Well, since Sylvie opened the door, I guess she would be next. Marcus would be right behind. I'll follow Marcus. Kalina would be in the back. Excellent. Sylvie, will you open the next door for everyone? Yeah. Can we walk like the Scooby-Doo gang? Like, you know, we're to our left and then to our right. And to our left and then to our right. You open a door into another room. This one is also windowless, and it is painted a plain white. This one, though, has three doors. There's a door to the east, and there's a door directly to the north across from the door you are entering. Looking about, you also will note that there's a small fireplace on the eastern wall, and there are several cabinets around the room. Cabinets and cupboards. Much as it kills me to leave all these cabinets and cupboards and drawers unexplored, Maya will float north. Sylvie would be following pretty closely behind Maya, um, so she wouldn't stop to open any cub- cabinets or anything. Maya's still humming her hymn. I imagine Alice reaches for the cabinet, but like... Marcus or Kalina, like, slaps his hand away. Kalina wouldn't. None at this moment. don't think Marcus would slap anybody's hand. Ooh, is Alice investigating then? I guess Alice just wanders towards the cabinet, Cass. You open the cabinets, and inside, you find cabinets full of bedding and other cloth that would have been utilized around the house. Some changes for drapes, various linens, all in exceptionally good quality and condition, likely protected by being tucked into these cupboards and the fact that this room has no access to the elements or outside. Yeah, I will surely be grabbing a trick-or-treat treat and putting it in my copper pot. So I'm just going to grab something that looks very high quality and put it in my copper pot. Can you give me a flat D20? (laughs) That's a six. As you pull one of the pieces of linen out, a small sheaf of paper also falls. Something that looks like it was tucked away, likely in the corner where no one would have seen it for a while. Oh, what's this? Alice will pick it up. One moment Well, I drop something into the Discord for you. Can I ask a question while we're waiting? Does Maya see, like Maya sees through the walls, does she see any skeletons? So the walls are an interesting thing for me to say. 
while you can see through them, they seem to almost twist and haze, as if they were not as substantial as they seem. Maya would probably keep that to herself, because she's she wants her friends to not be afraid, and that's really nothing that they can do anything about, so noted. Alice will uh, kind of read this aloud to the group while we walk. Sylvie and Maya, as Alice's words of reading this unfold behind you, you'll pause before moving on into the next room. And for the ease of the listeners, I shall read out this letter. Beauty of my world, we have seen each other many times and never is it enough. I live in your presence and die when we must part, to be forced to act little more than a stranger in your presence when we are in the house, and may be observed is the most abject torture to me when I long only to look at you with the devotion that I feel, and yet we must be cautious lest our love be found out and one of us, most likely me, as no one could ever blame you, my angel. And your countenance speaks of the utmost purity, lose our position here at the house. I think of you every moment that we are apart, such that it is sometimes an insurmountable effort to attend to my work. I am fortunate that I work alone in the grounds so that none may observe my sighs tears and inattention. However, I have truly thrown myself into cultivating the flowers around the house for the mere thought that you may see them, and they may bring you joy in this miserable place. I long for the time that I can take you away from here, away from all of this, to give you a place of your own where we may live happily together with no more secrecy. I will find a way to make my fortune. I vow to you that one day I will support you in the life that you deserve, my angel. On that day, when I make my fortune, I will marry you, as we have so often spoke of. But for now, I have so little to offer that it would be an insult were I to ask for your hand. Daily I rack my brains to find a solution to this terrible dilemma. But fear not, I will find a way to become worthy of the affection you have bestowed upon me. Dare I say your love? Signed, Brunello. Wow, this Brunello, he, uh, really wanted to marry this girl. Like, really wanted to. I wonder who she was, the beauty of his world. One of the spirits that helped me. She asked us to find Brunello and put him to rest. Maybe she's the one. Well, then put him to rest we shall. Maya, where, where are you leading us, by the way? Upstairs. To the... Earth Mother's Grace. Cass, can I insight check? Because I don't know why. Alice is like, wait. Is this really Maya's spirit? Are we being tricked? Go right ahead. Fourteen. You're fairly confident that this is Maya... You're wondering, though, if in death, has she gained some, perhaps, possibly more sensory abilities than you have to be able to determine where the stairs in this house are and possibly to lead you towards the Hearth Mother's Grace? 
Mrs. Brunello is very romantic. I've certainly never received a letter quite like that. It is remotely like that. I did once. It was a grocery list for Baghilda, and it was, um, very long. <laughs> Shall we continue upstairs? Yeah, let's, uh, let's get going. As quick as possible. Right, we have a whole house to set free. I would tell you to wave us on, but I don't think you can. As you press onwards, as Sylvie opens this next door, there's a burst of black smoke that billows in. It seems that the fire that you left downstairs is still burning, and the smoke is funneling upwards. Well, I suppose that's good and bad. <coughs> Can I use Druidcraft to make a breeze out of the room? I will describe the room in front of you. The room in front of you is a set of stairs that come up from the kitchen, a tiny, tiny landing that has this door into the linen room, and then another set of stairs that go straight up. Alice will just keep a rotating breeze like five feet around him with druid craft to kind of shelter the group from smoke. And it will rotate, so... Are you going to close the door to the linen room behind you? Or keep it open? Mm, I think Lena wouldn't close it and not notice notice it. She'd just kind of keep walking. Trudging your way up, the smoke pooling and billowing about you. This is going to be hard. All of you are definitely coughing. Alice, you're coughing the least. The smoke inhalation may play havoc on you if you stay too long. Be best if you can find some windows, perhaps, to be opened. It also is making your, how do I put this, your sight a bit harder for seeing. As you come up into this open attic area on the third floor. The area is completely unlit, and you can see the bones of the building. Rough timber, plain and unadorned. A large central area is adorned with a larger table, a set of eight mismatched chairs, and a dartboard. A splayed set of playing cards are scattered across the room, and an unfinished game of what appears to be checkers sits on the table. You can see the bricked back of what looks like perhaps a large fireplace. And there are a series of doors coming off of this room. There's a door directly to your left. There's a door across the room to your right. And another door a bit further down on the right. And then on the far end of the room from where you are standing, there's a door on your right and a door on the left. I'm afraid all I know is that it's somewhere up here. I don't know exactly where. We're looking for the hearth. Mother's Grace up here, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, I guess we start opening doors and seeing where they go. That's a good idea. Any idea which one? The fact that there are no windows up here means that the only light you guys have currently is coming from Maya's ball of light. And then you also have Kalina's candelabra, which I assume is being held by Marcus currently. Sylvie's so going to like point at the couple doors she can see and go eeny meeny miny and just open the door closest to them so the north 
eastern door? Glancing into this room, you see that it is dark and has no windows. There are several trunks pushed up against the eastern wall at the back corner of the room. I don't know if I'm going to open those. There's just trunks in this one. Um, maybe we try a different door and see if there's anything better first. Yes, if it's a shrine, maybe it will be more obvious. Yeah, let's look. Possible. It's not, it's not like a shrine. Maybe it's an object or something. It could be, but the last time we opened some trunks, well, you know. Oh, I know. I know. I remember vividly. I don't think all of you should spend too much time in the smoke, so maybe if we search one room at a time and shut the door behind us so that we keep the smoke out. <laughs> That's a good idea. <clears throat> can you just go look in those trunks and we'll move to the next room and then you can just float there? Cass, can I do that? Sure. Why not? Cool. I will float through the trunks, look through the trunks. Give me a flat d20. Sure. That's a 13. You come dangerously close. You feel like one of your arms, even though you're a ball of light, one of your arms maybe ends up a little bit outside the house. And it definitely feels funny when it's out there. But you're able to pull it back. Inside these trunks, it appears that they are filled with various matching uniforms of different sizes. Some for female servants, some for male servants. And did Marcus say that they would go on and Maya could float on after them? Yep. Which door are you guys going to next? So Kalina would have put Maya down and like kind of set her up in the chairs as best she could before she kind of went to the next room with everyone. Sounds good. You going to set her up playing checkers or chess? What would be closer? She kind of wouldn't pay attention to that. So probably like the closest chair to him. Okay. There's a couple different chairs that are adorning the large table and you can put her in one of them at the head of the table. Yep. That's where she go. What door are the rest of you going to enter first? You've checked the northeastern one. There is one in the northwest, one in the west, one in the southwest, and one in the southeast. If no one else goes to pick a door, Sylvie would probably open the northwestern door next. So you open this door and you usher everyone inside before you close it to make sure that the smoke doesn't get in here as much, though some smoke does billow in. Illuminated by the candelabra and through the dark vision, both the grayish one that is Sylvie's and the vibrant colors that is Alice's, you can see that this room is very dark. It has no windows. The walls are roughly plastered and whitewashed. This room contains several beds, each with a tall and narrow set of drawers. At the far end of the room, stands a closed armoire. It looks like staff quarters, maybe? We think the Hearth Mother's Grace would be in here? Well, do you keep your shrine at the end of your bed? Oh, well, yes? Well, let's go check. Kalina would, like, just, without saying anything, just start walking towards the armoire and open it. What are the rest of you doing? Are you going to the... Are you just... Are you looking more around the beds and such, or are you going to the tall and narrow sets of drawers next to each of them? Probably the drawers. Yeah, I think Sylvie would also be looking towards the drawers. Alice will check under the beds. So first we'll start with the drawers and under the bed. Looking at the drawers, you each note that they have various articles of clothing in them, 
all of them, archaic female clothing. This appears to be the female servant's quarters. Marcus, as you're looking at the drawers, you notice that inscribed, or like, vandalized into one of the headboards, the headboard directly next to you, this happens to be the bed that Alice is looking under, are the initials B.C., and AP inside a heart. BC and AP. Alice, as you're looking under the bed, can you give me an investigation check? 24. As you're looking under the bed, you can see that it looks like through the slats of wood uh, that there are, is a bundle of letters or of parchment, at least, that is hit, that is under this mattress, between the wooden frame and the mattress. I'll take it. Looking at them, you see some super familiar handwriting. You now have in total five letters written by this Brunello fellow. The first letter begins, Dearest Ariadne, I can no longer remain silent on the feelings which I harbor for you within my breast. I must confess that I feel for you a most ardent passion and devotion. I hope that you do not take this ill, and that the beautiful generosity of your nature will make allowances for the suddenness and brevity of this message. Your most faithful admirer. Signed, Brunello. The second letter begins. My angel, Ariadne, I have read your response to my message with the highest transports of joy. My feet no longer touch the ground, I walk on air, lifted by your words and the knowledge that my affections may be reciprocated. I have long admired you from afar, and I wish only that I had shared my mind with you sooner, that we may have begun our courtship before now, and not lost so much time. I know that you do not know me well. How well I know it, and bitterly I regret it. I promise that I will do my utmost to remedy the situation as quickly as may be. Please know that I fully understand your hesitation to commit yourself in matters of the heart to a man that you know only slightly. I admire you for it. To see that your prudence and sensibility are a match for your beauty overflows my heart. I assure you that I am a good, honorable man. I wish only the best for you. And should you choose to return my affections, I vow that I will do all within my power to see you happy. If you would indulge me, I would see you alone, away from the prying eyes of the housekeeper and the strict discipline of the butler. I wish to tell you how much I care for you, and to give you an opportunity to see the sincerity of my words reflected in my visage. Ever your beloved admirer. Signed, Brunello. The third letter in the bundle, likely the fourth letter in chronology due to the contents of it, begins. Ariadne, I believe the butler may have seen us, or perhaps he only saw me returning to the house late. He behaves strangely to me. Does he to you? Perhaps it is all in my imagination. The tension in this house is almost too much to bear, and I would like to go away. But I could never leave you, my dearest life. You make all suffering come to naught. A mere moment in your presence wipes away any hardship I have ever faced. Nothing matters but the radiance of your presence. 
I would risk anything for you, my darling. Anything but you yourself. You are the most precious thing in this dark world. You are a light that shines as a beacon of hope in my life. Most unlike this cursed lighthouse. My life would be for naught without you, and I will do anything to protect you. Please be careful. We should not meet tonight. Oh, but it pains me to say so. And yet we must be cautious, lest we ruin all. Think of me, and I will think of you. Indeed, I always think of you. You are ever-present in my mind. Anxiously yours. Signed, Brunello. And the final letter. My only. I have struck upon a solution to all our problems. Now, at last, I know how to make my fortune. As I vowed, I will become worthy of your love. Soon I will ask for your hand. I know you are too good to play me false and say no now. You have the look of one kind and true, and having come to know you, I know that your look matches your heart. I have nothing to fear from you. I have many natural apprehensions that something will come to ruin all I have planned, and yet I pray to the gods that they are not so cruel as to sunder a true and steadfast love such as ours. We have been patient and cautious for so long. If we can only continue to be so for a little longer, soon we will be free. Meet me tonight in our usual spot. Be careful when you leave and as you come to me. I will be cautious as well. We must not be seen, especially now that we are so close. I will tell you all when I see you. If I do not come, know that something has befallen me. Go to the oak tree. Use what I have hidden there to buy yourself a ticket from this accursed place. But by the grace of the Triatrian, I will meet you. This I vow. Soon we will be together forever. Your devoted love. Signed, Brunello. I thought Brunello was haunting this house. Brunello is haunting me. Like, Brunello keeps giving me mail. Kalina, as you close with the armoire, you note that the floor in front of it is worn down. As if someone stood or knelt in this same spot on a routine basis. Are you going to open the armoire? She definitely would. It is locked. <sighs> Hey, Marcus. Uh-huh? This thing's locked. Can you get it open? I can certainly give it a shot. Let's uh, see here. And I will attempt to pick the lock with the set of tools that I have to do so. As Marcus is making his way over, pulling out his lockpicks, this is about the time that Maya is drifting across the room. It's quite smoky and is making your way to the door. And you make it partway into the room, and you realize you can't go any farther. Oh, so I'm stuck in the open room. I'm not with everybody else. You are about five feet into the room. Oh, I'm in the room with everybody else, but I can't get any closer. It's like you're tethered to something. Do I see them trying to open the armoire? Yep. I might have a key. Oh, I forgot you had that. I'll go get it. I mean, it might not fit this, but bound to fit something in the house. Marcus, are you going to try the lock while Kalina is going to get the key, or are you going to wait? Marcus would, upon hearing that, would probably just wait to see if the key worked. Also, it seems like 
maybe I can only go so far from my body. I can't seem to move any further into this room. All right. Clea would make her way to Maya's body and she would search for the key and also any letters because she, I think she remembers that the prayer should be on one of them. Rifling through Maya's pockets, you're able to find the prayer folded. You also can find the key, but taking a step back and looking at it, this looks like a key to a door, not a key to a piece of furniture. Uh, Maya looks a little too big. You want me to bring your body in the room or just leave it here? Oh, it's fine. I don't need to come any closer, I guess. I, I just think it's interesting. Good thing to you. Thank you for carrying it with us, Kalina. You see her kind of like look away from your orb and it's kind of like, uh-huh. And then walks into the room with the key and goes, I don't think this will fit, Marcus. It's a little too big. All right, I'll get to work then. And I'd like to attempt once again to open the lock door. Or pick lock thing. To represent this lock picking attempt, we are going to do a dexterity skill check. Or in this case, a dexterity tools check. And because you are proficient in thieves tools and you have them on hand, you can add your proficiency bonus to your dexterity modifier with your d20. That is a, a dirty 20. The lock clicks open. And I should clarify that that click is not a trap. Did not even think about that. I did. It's open. Oh, you... Why didn't you say anything? I jumped back. Oh, that's... <laughs> As you pull it open, you can see that this armoire, it has a shelf, and above the shelf there are various uniforms hanging. But under the shelf, you can see that there is a small stylization of a hearth that has been crafted and molded, looks like by hands, out of clay. And in it, there are a couple small candles. Maya, can you see this? Yeah, that looks good. That looks like, I, I don't know, maybe what we're looking for. What are we supposed to do with it now? I think light the candles, say the prayer, see what happens. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Do we have to wear the uniforms too? I don't think so. I think that the shrine's just hidden here. I don't think the uniforms are important. All right. Alice puts down, like, takes takes the one shoulder off he was about to put on. Kalina will walk over and go to, so he's like, here. Um, I can't read this. I think this is the prayer. Is someone going to light the candles? I... Should we put them in the middle of the room? I think we should... Probably leave them with the shrine. I will produce flame. Fopwap. You will light each of them in turn. Do I have any of that wine left? If I remember correct, you guys poured it out onto the stairs. We did. I was going to pour one out for Hime, but I, I won't. Maybe we should all say the, or I guess as many of us as possible should say the prayer. Maybe that'll help. Yeah, if you if you hold it, I can try to read. I'll just repeat after, or try to keep up what everyone's saying. I I can't read. Yeah, repeat after us. 
Hime, hearth mother, I pray to you for your protection. The world is dark. Please share your light with us. Our lives are cold. Please share your warmth with us. Ash and coal are spread. Please protect us. All things are equal. Please keep our lives in balance. I pray you will watch over this house. Provide us with stability. I pray you will watch over these people. Bring us peace. May the warmth of the hearth encircle the inhabitants of this house in your loving embrace and soothe their hearts. O Balm, you who witness the birth of each soul, care for our lives and tend the passing of the seasons. Nourish our lives. Bring us peace. End our winters. Show us your compassion. All this I pray. 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 As the last syllables ring out into the air, as this prayer to Hime, the hearth mother, goddess of hearth and home, leaves your lips, the flames of the candles diminish and the room darkens considerably. As each of your features are etched in candlelight, you feel almost as if the shadow around you, the very darkness of this house, is attempting to exert itself, to push and control, to claim power over what is happening here. And then it recedes. A calming feeling falls over you, and then a warmth, the warmth of a large hearth, despite the shrine being but a small clay caricature of one, the warmth of a large hearth washes over you. You can feel the very balm of it upon your soul as it rolls over you and radiates outwards. The darkness of this room recedes, the shadows clawing their way back into the dark. A feeling of oppression, of malevolence, that this house had, that seemed to almost weigh upon you, though you did not notice it working its dark will, is cut and severed. Looking about, across each of you, face to face, from Marcus to Sylvie, to Kalina, to Alice, to the ball of light that is Maya. You can't be sure what has happened, but you think it is good, and you feel refreshed. Please gain the benefits of finishing a long rest. And perhaps now it is time to ask the ghosts what's next. You took the words out of my mouth. Now that we've done this, the next thing we need to do is ask Mariana what is what we can do for her. If we do what it is that she needs done, we'll weaken the evil here enough that maybe we can strike a mortal blow against it. Should we do that here, or do we go to a different part of the house, or... Alice? Alice already has the handkerchief out. <laughs> I do feel safer close here by the shrine. Alice will toss out his handkerchief, which, even though it was 
essentially bundled, you know, once it hits the floor, it like perfectly has, it has a perfect edge without a wrinkle in it as if it's not even cloth at all. And then he will take his planchette down and put it on atop the spirit board that he haphazardly, um, unknowingly embroidered into this handkerchief. And he will reach out to the spirits of the great beyond. Mariana, are you there? Each of you placing your hand onto the planchette with Alice. You feel it begin to tug as the room's temperature drops. But as it plummets, where the light from the candles in the hearth fall upon you, you feel still the full warmth of a blazing hearth. One that feels as if you were being welcomed home. And the planchette slowly moves to hello. Yes, hello. Um, who am I speaking with? Before it moves to yes. And back to the middle. Mariano, have we done what thou hast requested of us? your home yes and why aren't you free yet why isn't everyone free (laughs) oh right you can only answer yes or no there are letters there are numbers but remember that anything that is really that would require a very big answer and a long one that would require a lot of energy from her to be able to do. Maya, mm-hmm. there is a woman kneeling on the floor of this room, her hands on the planchette. She looks to be a woman that you've briefly seen. It's not the maid. It's not the man. It's a woman that you feel like you've seen, though you can't actually remember where you've seen her in the house. As if perhaps she's been leaning over you protectively this entire time. But then you realize it is most assuredly the same woman that you saw in the portraits. The woman with dark hair, with kind eyes, Alecki's wife, Maria. Though Maya has no hand, she is going to try to reach out towards... Mariana and say, are you able to speak with me or only through the board? Her eyes look up at you, the kindness and clear. But as she moves her mouth, you hear nothing. I'm so sorry, I can't hear you, but we'll do whatever we can to help you, you and everyone here. Even your husband. You've all suffered so much. She looks at you. She nods. And you can almost see in her eyes that it looks like she's pleading with you. And when you say her husband, you can see that she carries so much pain. 
but she carries that pain for his suffering. And for that briefest of moments, you almost think that you see her and him. A tower of dark stone. A small cottage. You see them sitting out under a tree. A small sketchbook in front of her. And within it, the sketched plans for the house. I was going to say, Maya will turn to her friends, but really she's a ball of light, so I don't know I don't know what that looks like. But Maya will say to her friends, she can't hear me, she can only speak to us through the board, but she needs us to help her. Alice, how can we ask her what she needs us to do next? Are there more shrines in this house? Maya, you can see her shaking her head as she shakily moves it to no. She, her hands shaking. Do we kill the monster next? She moves it to no. <laughs> can we free your husband from the grasp of his terrible butler now? Yes. Wadlin, let's go kick this butler's ass. Where? You see fear in her eyes when Alice says that. She looks afraid. As if she's terrified of the thought of you guys going up against him. But not of freeing her husband. We're not ready. Are, are we not ready to face the butler? But we are ready to free your husband? No, wait, that's two questions. We're, uh, okay. First question, are we not ready to face the butler? As you're asking this, you see her glance over her shoulder as if she's scared. As if she thinks that she can almost feel or hear something. And as you sort of strain your ears, you can almost hear something. You can hear footsteps. And you see her quickly move the planchette. U. N. B. U. R. D. E. N. T. H. E. H. A. N. G. I. N. G. And then the planchette slowly begins to circle the board, following the lines of entwined flowers, before she glances over her shoulder and there's this look of horror on her face, looking towards the door, and... Something's wrong. There's footsteps. She drops through the floor. Grab your weapons. My wand is at the ready. Kalina will rush off and go through the door towards Maya's body immediately. To the conservatory. As we rush to, you know, whatever it is that we're doing, Maya's quickly going to say, I heard footsteps and she looked terrified and then she dropped through the floor. I'm afraid there's something behind the door. We need to face it. Kalina's already done. Done bolted. Like She didn't even wait. Kalina, you're going to throw open the door? More like bull rush through it while drawing her sword. You're going to bull rush into a room that you can barely see in that is filled with smoke. Yep. Please give me a perception check with disadvantage. Thirteen. We'll handle what you see or don't see in a moment. Uh-oh. Smoke comes billowing into the room as Kalina throws the door open. Alice, what are you doing? Your board is still set. The planchette is laying in the middle of it. I will collect my planchette and spirit board and make my way to follow Kalina. Marcus, 
What are you going to do? Bo's ready, and Marcus is going to be right after, ready to shoot. Sylvie, what are you going to do? Sylvie is a little bit more hesitant based on the description Maya gave of footsteps and the very ghosts of the house being afraid, but she's going to grab her quarter staff and rush after everybody else. Maya. As quickly as Maya can, she's going to shoot out of the room to be with Kalina. And she's trying not to be afraid. Kalina, you go barreling out of the room, the ball of light that is Maya following just behind you, illuminating just enough of this room for you to realize what is missing. Maya's body is gone. Maya, standing where your body was, is the butler. And that is where we'll end this session. No. No, 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 no. No. Oh, come on. No. <laughs> no. <sighs> veto, veto. Everyone must stay up. 40 minutes late. Veto this right now. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh no. There's more of us than there are of you. <laughs> Mutiny. Mutiny on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Roll With Adventure, where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe for future episodes, rate us where you get your podcast, and visit us at www.rollwithadventure.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can write us at dm at rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Purple Planet Music, and Arcane Anthems. Full credits are in the episode description. I've never had Taco Bell. What? I know, right? I just think I've never lived anywhere where there's been, like, a Taco Bell nearby. I think we have one in town, but that's, like, a 30-minute drive. And I've never had Taco Bell either. Well, when you come visit, you guys, we're going right to Taco Bell. All right. I mean, I have learned that it is the only restaurant that will survive the food franchise wars, so we should probably try it. I hadn't heard about that movie, and my stepmom, when she heard I hadn't, She's like, you have to watch it. So we literally watched that yesterday. Oh, amazing. I love that movie. It's so good. It was so entertaining. I could talk about it today, but I, I feel bad for the actors having to act the way they did. Just like, I couldn't be that happy. <laughs> I love when, I don't know, spoilers, but that guy invites them to dinner at Taco Bell. <laughs> so it's just a lot of like, um, okay. Yeah. I just imagine with the franchise wars that, like, all these different franchises just built up armies and just fought against each other. Taco Bell just like, well, our food's the cheapest, so we get the most people. I was imagining some sort of death by hot sauce. Oh, that's funny. I didn't think about that one. Sorry, I thought it was disco in that knee. I don't know why. 
Oh my gosh, before I start, I just have to say, all of you are so amazing. I should have got up to get myself a Kleenex. I don't know about everyone else, but it's so dusty in my basement right now. <laughs> yes. All this dust just comes from everywhere. It's just ugh. <laughs> I know, right? I have a Kleenex box right on my D&D workstation. I should have got one for myself, I tell ya. You guys have made me cry multiple times. <laughs> Excuse me. Please tell me you didn't kill Carlos. Maybe I did. Oh, I'm here. Oh my god, is Marcus a ghost now, too? Marcus is fine. And the shark monster appears. Evil shark do 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 Evil shark do 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 Evil shark. <laughs> just comes up through the back of the room just like, Oh yeah! <laughs> oh my gosh. Evil shark do 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 Evil shark do 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 Evil shark. Run away, do 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 Run away, do 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 Maya's dead to do to do to do, do. Maya's dead to do, do. <laughs> Gonna bring her back to life. Please tell me that we're recording. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Disco, what what are you writing? <laughs> My heart will go on. <laughs> <laughs> but that was already there. I didn't write that. He may... He may hearth mother, I pray to you for protection. Ash and coal are spread, please protect us. Oh, sorry, I am so sorry. I love you guys. I love you guys. There's just too many syllables for it to be perfect, though. Yeah, it doesn't quite fit. Neat. Far immersed while you are to the green to the greenhouse. It's not a greenhouse. What is it? It's a lighthouse. No, the greenhouse. I think it is greenhouse. No, no, no. Oh, the greenhouse. Oops, I'm dumb. Is it a greenhouse? No, the the conservatory. Mm-hmm. Maya's body. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a yes, I mean, what a perfect place to end, but oh my gosh, no. I want to I want to keep playing. Uh-huh. What are we doing this week? We're doing anything this week, you know? 